Welcome, and thank you for listening to the podcast of North Etowah Baptist Church. Visit us online at northetowah.org. Rather than church being a place where people far from God are met with shame, guilt, and condemnation, we believe Jesus leads us to be a family that extends His grace, mercy, and forgiveness to everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's service. Several of you got to go, uh, got to attend the Casting Crowns concert this past weekend. You know, uh, it was Thursday night in Knoxville, and then Friday night they were in Chattanooga, and I know several went to Chattanooga specifically. And, you know, Casting Crowns is a group that was established by just a Christian worship, uh, you know, similar to our own Blake Croft and Harley. You know, they just start singing, and, and they established Mark Hall in 1999, established that group. And, and that, that, that group has meant more to me than probably any other contemporary uh, band that's out there. Some of the great songs that they have written uh, and, and performed and, and sung just, just touched the body and touched the soul. And, and Who Am I is one of those that just, just gets, to the, gets to the core. You know, they sing, If We Are the Body, uh, that song about the church, If We're the Body, Why Aren't We Out Doing Something? And the voice of truth that tells, tells a different story. The voice of the Bible, the voice of Jesus Christ tells a different story than the world. And praise you in this storm. I know many of you might be going through a storm and that, that song, Praise You in the Storm, has gotten me through many a storm just singing and praising God through the depths of what I'm going through. Glorious day, living he loved me. We sing that here at church. And Jesus, a friend of sinners. Uh, just a lot of great songs, but who am I is the one that just stuck with me. And, and if you'll just keep that song in mind as we go through this message this morning, it's going to come back around to, to that song that, that who am I that the great God of this world would, would love me? Uh, who am I that the Lord of all the earth knows my name? Can you imagine that, friends? We was talking about how to measure the love of God, but can you imagine that that, that same God knows your name and, and wants to love you? He, he wants to feel your hurt. You came in here this morning and you're hurting. Uh, you've been going through, but that same God, the creator God, the one back in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God, that same God wants to, to feel your hurt, and, and he's that bright morning star that Christian sang about. He chooses to light the way for you. Now, whether you choose to go his path is, is your prerogative. But friends, we've got to see where God is lighting the path for us, and we've got to follow his pathway as he, that bright morning star, wants to light our way. Even though we wander. <laughs> How many of you have seen the path that God's laid out and you sort of drift the other way? You're dragging as you go. We do that. I've done that individually. We do it as church. We do it as a congregation. We do it as a convention, as a Southern Baptist convention. We try to wander sometimes. But that same God, he sees that sin in our life. And, and he, you know that choppy water? And you've seen the lakes, you've seen the oceans, you've seen the seas, the Sea of Galilee, Watts Bar, Parksville, Teleco, wherever you've been going. You see that choppy water, but he also wants to calm the storm in your life. It doesn't matter who you are, friend. 
Doesn't matter where you were born. Doesn't matter who your mom and daddy is. Doesn't matter about your socioeconomic class. Doesn't matter male or female. It doesn't matter, friend. It doesn't matter who you are. And then, friend, here's another thing. It doesn't matter what you have done. You come in here this morning, you said, well, you just don't know, preacher. Friend, I'm telling you that the love of Jesus Christ, the love of God is, is there for you. It doesn't matter what you have done. God chooses to love you. It is who he is. It is his makeup. He has loved you as we talk to these kids from eternity past to eternity future. That means forever and ever God has loved you. He chooses to love you. So if you got that, if you were listening as that song was sung this morning, then you know the answer, is God in control? That's the question today. Is God really in control? If you were listening as that song was sung, you realize and you know that God, yeah, yeah, God's in control. If you're a Christian this morning, you know because you've been studying God's word, you know that God is really in control. But there's some that may be listening by way of an internet connection or by the way of radio or you're sitting here right now and you're still wondering, you're still thinking, is God really in control with the mess that our country is in? We're in a mess in our economics. We are in a mess. And when we, we're getting involved all around the world and something's in a mess right now for sure with this electricity, isn't it? We done knocked out everything. That's the devil trying to get a hold of us. That's okay. I hope that we've not lost. Y'all work on Facebook and radio. Try to get us back online. Maybe they are. But right now, I think the power is back. And we're going to continue on. It doesn't matter who you are. You've got to recognize that God is really in control. And some of you might be here today. You might be here right now. And you are trying to think, is God really in control? Well, this morning, I want to give you a little reminder and we're going to look at Scripture, and we're going to see that God's really in control. Let's pray before we do. Father, bless this moment, and let me proclaim your word the way you want it to be proclaimed. Let your word be exalted, Father, and we are going to give you praise, honor, and glory, because you alone are worthy of our praises. We've been singing praises to you this morning. God, let it all be continuing to be about you, your son Jesus. In his name I pray, amen. First thing I want you to notice this morning is God is in control of nature. Jot that down. You got note place on that bulletin. You got a note place somewhere on a scrap sheet of paper. Jot it down. God is in control of nature. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to put you on a Bible drill again today. I'm sorry, but we're going to look at some scriptures. In Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. God's word talking here, and this is Jesus talking. You want to know that God is in control of nature? Right there it is in Matthew 6, verse 26. Jesus said, look at the birds. Now, we're, James isn't able to be in here. He has been fighting that bird out there at 2nd Street for days. But Jesus said, look at them birds. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet, oh, looky there, friend. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than the birds, than them? Look at verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, 
Will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Friends, God is in control of nature. So you want to say, is God, God really in control? I say, God is. I underlined it on that PowerPoint there. God is in control of nature. According to Matthew 6, verse 26 and 30. Jot down Psalm 104, verse 24 through 30. Psalm 104, verses 24 through 30. Read that for yourself later. That's talking about the animals. If they, if, if, if they, if, if they don't worry about it, why are we? So God is, friends, in control of nature. Secondly, God is in control of human history. God, did you hear that? God is in control of human history. Let's look at Acts. Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. It's after the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, there goes John, now Acts. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Jot down Acts chapter 17, verse 26. Acts 17 and verse number 26. It says, according to God's word in scripture, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. God determined. He allowed, it says. He called on. And friends, he determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. That says, dear ladies and gentlemen, that God's in control of our human history. World War World War I hit us hard. World War II and the Vietnam crisis and, and Korean War and, 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 and uh, the, the junk going on even in Iraq and Iran and, and Syria and Palestine and Pakistan and all of those other areas over there, China and Russia. God is the one who, who foresaw it. And friends, if you get it, get off your high horse because God is the one who made the United States of America the greatest country ever on the face of this earth. We have got to get back to looking to him, the author and finisher of our faith as Christians, because we Christians, the church, is the one that has allowed this country to go back into the pits to where she has never been in our history. Friends, it is up to the church to stand back up and get back up and to start proclaiming this word is true, this word is real, and we are going to stand on this word. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to go there. You say, no, you're not. Yes, I am. I'm going there. Friends, homosexuality is a sin. I'm telling you this morning that you cannot live together as man and man and woman and woman and it not be a sin. It is God ordained in, the, in his word that it is one man, one woman for life. The institution of family, the institution of marriage is the first thing that God ordained. We have got to get back to what it's about. And ladies and gentlemen, oh yeah, I'm going there too. You better quit sleeping around on your spouse. You better quit messing and flirting with somebody else at work. It's wrong. And you better quit looking at that stuff on the internet that you know you ought not be looking at. And you better quit joking about those things that you know are wrong. And you better quit cheating. Well, today is April the 15th. We need to quit cheating on our taxes. And is that the way a Christian ought to be acting? Boys and girls that are dating, you got to quit 
doing what you know you keep your pants zipped up, okay? I'm just going to put it to you blunt. Quit doing that nonsense. It's wrong. It is not the way that God said to do it. He said to live as moral people. And we did that for so long in the United States. That's the reason the United States was founded on Christian principles, biblical principles. And we have stood the test of time. But now we have turned our back and every day we see our degradation going down deeper and further down. We have got to get back to the basics of life and get back to doing those things that we know we ought to be doing. Friends, God is in control of nature. God is in control of human history. He's the one that rises nations up and pulls nations down, and it's not us or our might. Also, again, there with human history, jot down Daniel chapter 4, verses 34 and 35. Daniel chapter 4, 34 and 35. Thirdly, God is in control of nature, human history, and circumstances. That means he's in control of everything, friend. You're going through the pit, he's there. You're on the mountaintop, he is there. 1 Samuel chapter 2, that's back in the Old Testament. You don't have to turn there, but you, if you can get there, get on over there. 1 Samuel chapter 2, jot it down though. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. The, God's word says in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 6, 7, and 8. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and he raises up. Verse 7. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. <laughs> he brings low and he exalts. This is talking about the Lord, by the way, the one who's in charge. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a sea of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. God is in control of circumstances. Jonathan, would you go to that next slide about, about uh, Joseph? You in church, you know about the story of Joseph. Let's just walk through this. Joseph was on the mountain. Up here on the front top left, he is his dad's favorite boy. He got that coat of many colors. He was riding high. He was the favorite. He didn't have to do the work all his brothers did. But look what's next. You remember his, his brothers got mad at him, sold him into slavery? All the way down the bottom. There he is in slavery. Well, he kept following the Lord, and he kept doing what he knew he needed to be doing. And before long, Potiphar had gotten him, and he became the leader in Potiphar's house. And he became Potiphar's housekeeper, so to speak. And he was riding high again. But lo and behold, if that Potiphar's wife didn't try to, she said, man, Joseph, you're a fine-looking feller. Why don't we just go back here and Potiphar ain't home? We go back here and play house. <laughs> And old Joseph said, no, -uh, I'm not doing that. That's wrong. He took off. But when he was taken off, old uh, Potiphar's wife grabbed his coat. And he didn't care. He said, I'll leave that members only jacket. It don't matter to me. Carhartt, whatever it might have been. I don't know what that coat was. What's a good coat nowadays? I'm lost in the 80s, aren't I? That's them, that's them good, that's those names that I used to know. Whatever a good coat is, North Face. Let's do that. He left that North Face jacket behind. He didn't care. But he wasn't thinking what could happen. Potiphar's wife said, yeah, 
He, he tried to attack me. He tried to rape me. He, he can't. Potiphar was ill and mad, you could imagine. The husband comes home mad, throws him in prison now. You see the wishy, what's going on in his life? He's in prison, that middle prison there. Well, he did everything right in prison even, and he was doing all he could to be a good prisoner, and they made him the manager of the prison. And people were coming to him, and the, and the, the jail keepers were saying, well, we're a, you're, you're a good one, and we're going to put you in charge of some things. So he rose up to the manager of the prison. Well, what happened? Here he goes back in the prison. He's been his back up. So you see, I'm not going to go through all the story, but you see up, he ended up as Egypt's, Egypt's second in command, and then his brothers had to come along. There's famine in the land, and his brothers had to come ask him for grain. And then finally, if you know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, he was revealing that he was their brother. Number two in command in Egypt. But I go through all that. Go to the next slide, Jonathan. God's in control of our circumstances. It's hard sometimes. It's hard for me too. You're doing everything right. Are you trying to? And yet the evil one keeps attacking. And he even uses people that you like to attack you. But God is in control even of your circumstances, friends. God's in control. And then, fourthly, God's in control of accidents. Notice that on your slide in front of you, I put accidents in little quotes because to God there are no accidents. In Proverbs 16 and verse 33, Proverbs 16 and verse number 33, it's talking about casting lots. And in Proverbs 16 and 33, it says, The lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. All throughout Scripture, you see them casting lots for different things. But every decision is from the Lord. You can claim that, all oh, that was luck. That was the luck of the draw. All those other sayings that we have. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, uh-uh. God's in control, even of accidents. In John 1 and verse 7, it says the same thing. God is in control of nature, human history, circumstances, and accidents. Your circumstances are terrible right now for some. You've had all those tests and diagnoses and you're struggling, you got all this going on. Maybe, uh, you know, just looking at this list, you're thinking, preacher, since God's in control, what's that mean for my life? God is in control, but what's that mean for my life? Would all of you turn to, to, to Psalm, verse 40, chapter 46, Psalm 46. This is what God being in control, what about me? This is what God being in control means. In Psalm 46, 
If you'll follow along as I read Psalm 46 and let God's word speak this morning, friends. Ladies and gentlemen, it says in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble out its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Oh, goodness, that's good. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come. <laughs> Come. Behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Wow. Jot down 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. What about me? I'll do this quick. What about me? I want you to know, friend, today God cares about you. God cares about you. Matthew 10, you don't have to jot these down. I'm not going to read them, but I just want you to know. Matthew 10, verse 30 and 31. Matthew 10, verse 30 and 31 says, But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. Psalm 23 tells you, God cares about you. God, what about me? God cares about me. <coughs> Excuse me. Secondly, God will never leave me. What about me? God will never leave you, friend. You feel like you're like Joseph down in the muck, but he's going to take you back to the mountain. He will never leave you, friend. Matthew 28, verse 20 says, Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And then Jesus said, And lo, I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. God is with you. You're having trouble, but God is with you. Your marriage is on the rocks, but God is with you. Keep on trusting him. Look to him. Hebrews 13 and verse 5. Romans 8 verse 31 and 35. 31 through 35. God will never leave you. And then thirdly and finally, God will always prevail. God will always prevail. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 24. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God 
the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. What's it mean to me? God wants you to experience salvation. He loves you that much, friend. God wants to save me. That's a church word. But really, it's pretty simple. You see, what's he saving you from? He's saving you from death, hell, burial, the grave. When you die, you're going to hell if you do not receive the gift of God's salvation. I assure you, you are going one of two places. There's other beliefs out there, but I promise you they're wrong because I believe in this. This tells me I'm going to one of two places, heaven or hell. Hell is made for the devil. It was created for him, and I don't want to go into utter darkness. I want to go where Jesus is. That's my heaven. It's going to be streets of gold and gates of pearl, but I assure you, you're not going to care about it. The, the street's going to be gold. You're going to be saying, where's Jesus? I want to see Jesus. Friend, we are going there if we have a relationship with Jesus. He wants to save me. How do you get salvation? It's simple. It's receive Receive the free gift of salvation. It's Jesus Christ reaching out. He died on the cross for you. And he's saying, will you believe that I died on the cross for you? And three days later I rose from the grave and I'm living in heaven now. He said, will you believe this? He says, here's, my, here's a ticket. He pulls out and he says, here's your ticket to heaven. Will you take it? It's free. I paid for it, Jesus said. I'm paying for your ticket. I want you to go to heaven. Will you take this ticket? Oh, why would you not? I promise you I don't understand. I truly don't understand anybody that doesn't want a free ticket to heaven. Jesus is offering that. If you receive that, you admit you know you're a sinner, just like everybody else. You believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And you want to confess him as Lord. You want, to, you want to proclaim him as Lord of your life. And you don't want to live this old ugly life the way you've been living it any longer. You want to go toward heaven. Give me that free ticket. Would you let me tell you more about it? We're going to sing here in just a second. Would you come up here and let me tell you more about Jesus? Or maybe you don't feel comfortable doing that. That's okay. Tell somebody around you, say, would you tell me more about Jesus? Would you come to this altar and pray? Pray for me if you don't have anything else to pray for. Pray for this church. Pray for our country. Pray for the lost soul that you know. Pray for those refugees in Georgia. Pray for what's going on in Syria. Pray for our own county as we get ready to elect people into positions that we elect or whatever we got to turn back to God we got to get back to where we need to be as the church so 
I'm not hit upon what you're thinking. Probably, maybe, I don't know. But won't you just tell me, say, hey, you didn't say this, but this is what I need you to pray. I want to pray with you. Whatever your need is. I'm going to pray and then we're going to stand up in just a second and we're going to sing together for your time of response to whatever God's calling you to do. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this time we've had and I pray that whatever occurs in these next few moments, that your word has been exalted, your word has been proclaimed and God, I pray that people know how much you love them and care about them. Oh God, how great you are. You are in control of everything. And now Father, let us just respond in the way that your will wants us to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the services at North Etowah Baptist Church. If you made a decision for Christ today, head over to northetowah.org slash contact. Fill out the form and someone from our staff will be quick to contact you. Not to mention, we'd love to worship with you. All worship times and other activities can be found on our website. Thanks again for listening and may God bless you.